0: She's nice to my I just written it all
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fit Rep Pod. My name is Ben Limes, and with me always, Duruk Jaya Singer. Hello,
0: Benjamin. We are back in the same country, same state, but still recording apart from each other, which yes. is uh, the way of the world. Um, but the good thing to come out of COVID and uh, Zoom gigs, uh, Zoom uh, recordings, is that we get to access gig, uh, guests who are all across this country and the world. And our guest today, I genuinely don't know where she is at the moment because... <laughs> Looks like Byron. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Byron well let me introduce I guess a friend of mine uh she's a, a musician a fantastic singer-songwriter but also Ben something you don't know no. is she's an actual doctor so for the first time ever on this podcast we have a proper doctor please welcome Dr. Day- Jade Goodge. <laughs>
2: Hello, hey
1: doing? hey Ben, thanks for having me. Hi, I, well, yeah, thank, thank you for being here. So you're not in Byron? Where are you? I
2: am. I'm in Gippsland. So I'm in um I'm out near um out near um, great chicken in
1: Tiarogin yeah. for listeners. Shop. For it's, listeners who
2: charcoal chicken? Yeah. Which, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: It's great. Um, <laughs> for listeners who don't know, uh, who aren't from this area, Gippsland is one of my favourite spots uh, in uh, in all of Victoria. I go holidaying there. I just love Gippsland. It's like I'm so many people have moved out. How long have you been out there, Jade?
2: I grew up out here.
1: Oh wow! So did you leave and then come back?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm staying with my parents for a little bit at the moment. um, Just because I'm in between houses. <laughs> Myself, so You know, especially with like the uh, opposite <laughs> problem to you, Ben. <laughs> yeah, especially with it's having Asian
0: mother. Asian parents, you know, yeah. where you'd be like, oh, they want us to become doctors and lawyers and stuff, and you're a successful doctor, and you're like, yeah, I still need to move back in, mum and dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're
2: like, Fantastic. We've been waiting for you to come home since the day you left. <laughs> yeah, where's the laundry? <laughs> yeah you do your own laundry deal
0: oh uh, really oh well, no i always thought of parents as the one when you go back in you get they do the laundry again did, did you
1: so when you went back deal did your parents do your laundry when you were back there uh moving on uh next question. <laughs> Because I, I, I don't know if I told know this. Yet. My mum. I remember the day my mum stopped doing my laundry. I was, I think I was eighteen. Mm. Um, I said, uh, "Mum, I need something washed." And she was already holding the washing basket. So she used to have to do like, so that we grew up in a physio, so have like towels and stuff. And then one day she's like, oh, "Do you want me to do your washing still as an adult?" I was like, "Come on, Mum. I mean, you're doing it anyway." And she just had my washing and then just threw it on the roof.
0: Ah, oh, awesome! <laughs> I love your mum. Quite <laughs>
2: passive aggressive about washing. Well, actually she's probably more aggressive aggressive uh-huh. and aggressive she's like a mix like like the other week it was raining and I, like if there's washing in the machine I'll do everybody's it doesn't really matter whose it is or like I'll ask if anyone needs anything else and I'll put the washing. really in the I'm very uncomfortable
0: yeah. with that I don't oh, like okay. other people I don't like uh, other people dealing with my laundry touching your delicates
2: yeah well again
0: it, it's it's like sure. delicates is the main part but also even me I'm a big sweater and I feel really uh insecure about sweating in fact oh. we can talk about oh maybe we can't talk about something but all right all right I'll I'll tell you all fair (laughs) but uh uh, yeah yeah but uh well I think I've mentioned at some point uh you know don't worry we'll have to cut (laughs) that bit out but I'm very insecure about my sweating, and uh, I, um, I I feel bad that anyone has to deal with me in, you know, like with distance, let alone having to hold my shirt after I've gone for a run or my jocks. Do you know what I mean? So, but you do it for other people, Jay.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the other week I chucked everybody's in and then I hung it out, and um, it rained, and I, I I got home like maybe thirty minutes after it had started raining, and I went out to the line, and Mum had taken off all of the clothing except for mine, oh.
0: and I just it just is that passive-aggressive or aggressive-aggressive? I think it's aggressive-aggressive. Aggressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you even confront her about it?
2: No, there's <laughs> there's no point.
0: <laughs> well, the reason you are back home is that uh, you kind of temporarily moved out of Victoria for a bit and Smart. I think most of last year, no, I'd well wait to... No, well, I,
2: got, I got stuck. So last year was a real journey. I um mm. I went... So in the year before that, I was meaning to go up to Queensland to record um some tracks with a producer up in queensland and then the borders all kind of closed and i got locked into victoria wow, what happened with the borders <laughs> oh, well, it's, you know, it's, it's nothing you'd be interested in nothing oh, would have, okay okay moving on yeah so you. borders closed for something <laughs> yeah you're half Asian. This, they were this, like, no, yeah, we need yeah, to close
1: you. So saying that there are exactly probably farmers much. farmers in Gippsland who still don't know what's going on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. You could be right. But I, um, I so I was stuck in Gippsland at that time. And I, as soon as they opened, I was like, I'm just going to make a run for it and start going north in case they close again. So kind of January last year, I um, packed up my car and took a job in Queensland because they, I knew that the borders would have to stay open for me. Like I had clearance to get to them Mm. if I was taking work. Um, Got to Queensland, kind of worked my way up through New South Wales for a couple of weeks then into Queensland. And um, then I kind of got stuck in Queensland for a bit. And then I came back to Victoria to play a gig because things opened up a little bit. Then I got um, like, I think I got stuck back somewhere else and I ended up going back to Queensland quickly and then Went to New South Wales just for a few weeks and ended up everything closed again. And I got locked into New South Wales, ended up four weeks, turned into like five months. Mm. So I was running a hospital in like Outback, New South Wales for nearly five months. It was- Where three.
1: in Outback, New South Wales?
2: You know where Lightning Ridge is?
1: No, I do not.
2: So it's it's kind of up right near the Queensland border. So it was up near Lightning Ridge, it's a little town called Walgett. If anyone from Walgett is listening, I love you all so much and I miss you. And um, my heart's still in Walgett.
0: Is but... it though? It looked really warm. Some of the stuff that you were sending oh, me was like torture.
2: Yeah, it's hot and dry, and kind of um, it's kind of in opal mining country. Yeah, there's a lot of farming there too. So yeah, but it's um, it's a very unique little place. Uh, it's um, yeah, so- lightning. Ridge- incredible if you've never been there
1: but it's like it's, it's like and then north of there is is Cata, is catter's electric so it's like it's it's real country like country liberal out yeah. there it's pretty yeah. it's pretty full on yeah yeah <laughs>
0: So uh, for now most of the people we've had on this podcast and in it, most of our listeners, I think, majority at least, would be on the the other side of COVID, which is, you know, mainly being patients and things like that. So this yeah. is the first time we've had someone who's actually been on the front line. And uh, the few stories that I've heard from you, uh, it sounded like a really rough trot while you were in Walgut because of the uh, limits on the resources that, you, you know, you were having. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think places places that are small, remote and like very rural towns throughout Australia are almost always under-resourced anyway. Um, and they often run on just, you know, fly-in, fly-out doctors. There's often no permanent staff. Um, and it, it's, it's difficult at the best of times, but last year was just an absolute nightmare. Like we couldn't, you know, it, all it takes is like one person that suddenly is no longer able to help out and you've suddenly gone from being on call one in two nights to being permanently on call and just awake 24/7 yeah. for weeks on I end remember some end of
0: that point. what was yeah. one of your longest longest uh, stretches I remember one was like
2: <sighs> nearly 3 weeks yeah yeah that's so crazy I'm, yeah so I'd work like a 9-hour shift of the shift but then I would be on call for the rest of the time so I often my day would look like starting work at 8 getting like finishing about 5 or 6 going home for like an hour and a half, then getting called back in for a couple of hours, going home, sleeping for 15 minutes, getting called back in, maybe going back home if I could get another couple of hours sleep. I reckon I probably, there was a good period of time there. I think I only got about three hours sleep a night at interrupted intervals.
0: I, I relate to that massively because you know, as in sometimes when you have to MC, you know, you do your ten-minute spot, and then you bring someone on, and you know, you only have a five-minute breather before to go back on and say then another person's name. So it's exactly yeah. the same, Jade. Yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? I'm glad you can, I'm glad you can
1: feel it. <laughs> how, how big was the hospital, Jade? How big is it? Like, what do we? Do you have an ICU bed in there, or is it tiny? No, like, no.
2: no. So the thing about places like. With Walgett specifically and other places like it, if you need to send somebody to an ICU or even just to another hospital that's bigger, which is everywhere else, <laughs> mm. um, you need to get a fixed wing retrieval. So you have to get them picked up by a plane. Yeah. Um, we didn't have an ICU. I think it's it's. I'm not sure the technical number of beds in the emergency department. I think it was like maybe a four to six bed emergency department. Yeah. Um, but and I think maybe a like a nine or ten bed inpatient hospital with like a larger aged care service out the back maybe a a bed or two of palliative care beds yeah Um, but yeah and then it had a clinic attached
1: and 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 so you're then the leading doctor or the doctor in charge of the emergency Uh, department
2: yeah you're kind of the, the doctor that is you're kind of the um you're the visiting medical officer for the hospital and the clinic so you're the doctor for everything um so you do you run the clinic and you um oversee the emergency department and you look after all the inpatients and palliative care patients and the people in the nursing home so it's like it's busy like it's a lot of work yeah
0: and so you'd have this experience more so than we only hear about right but you must have encountered did you ever encounter someone who was say a covid denial or like downplayed it And then that got smashed with it or because you're seeing how bad it can get, like, especially these days, we have a lot of people catching Omicron and because they're vaccinated or even if not, sometimes the symptoms are low. So there is this chatter about it being like blown out of proportion and has been since the start by some people saying that now. On the other hand, there's you who's actually been at the forefront and seen how this thing fucking devastated the healthcare system, yeah. and and has you know you, even though you never necessarily caught it, like it has wrecked your mental well being and physical well being yeah. because of having to do it. So those elements of it, uh, can you talk to that? Like, have you? What did you? I guess what were your yeah. experiences? that?
2: yeah. I guess um the the main problems I had when I was out in um, when I was at this remote hospital was that it was. We had a lot of issues organising transport and getting patients kind of upstream. Like it was almost backflow problems. So the bigger hospital, the bigger base hospital that had the ICUs and had the wards that were filling up and were really struggling Uh couldn't accept my patients and I was having to hang on to them longer. Or like the plane that had to come would have to do different sets of COVID cleaning or might have had a COVID-positive patient in it beforehand so, you know, it can't be in the sky until it's had a thorough clean again. So, you know, all those things kind of added up to just like, you know, maybe a few extra hours, three hours here, five hours there, eight hours there, that things got delayed, which not only sometimes had health implications but also had, for the for the patients, but also had implications for, like, the one medical resource, which was me not sleeping all night because I was monitoring a patient waiting for a plane to come and retrieve them and they weren't yeah. stable, you know. So it had, like, a lot of backflow effects indirectly while I was up there. I think I was very lucky that we didn't have, like, we had covid in the town we had a few outbreaks but the main issues i faced we we actually didn't have a huge number of cases while i was there like it was pretty well controlled um i think but the main issues were just the backflow issues and just trying to get things sorted from that point of view we didn't really have in terms of like i guess covid denial we didn't really have covid denial in that area but um there was a lot of vaccine hesitancy which i think was really understandable it's a really big um first nations population out there and probably what I did note out there that I haven't that I haven't experienced elsewhere though throughout the pandemic was how like how much heart and care the community had for each other so there was a huge amount of respect and protection of people who might be vulnerable um people oh, that's the same in the cities affect- isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say everyone, say everyone really cares. That. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people were hesitant to get a vaccine, but they were also very protective of looking after people who might be vulnerable and making sure people weren't exposed to anything potentially. So everyone was really caring about the public health measures that were to do with social distancing and hand washing yeah. and all that sort of stuff.
0: What about talk, let's talk about this then, because I know being mixed nice with you that there was, uh, I think early 2020, uh, you're talking about how you're going to focus more on music and, oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, um, uh, uh, the work that you're doing as a doctor was going to be less and less and maybe even zero. And then this pandemic hits. Talk me through that, um, that decision, because it is, I find it really like, you know, incredible. And I find it really heroic because not only are you uh, choosing to go into an area that you might be exposing yourself to this virus that we didn't understand at the time and knew you're going to be put under the pump more Mm. than you ever have in your medical career, but also it is on top of that, you're also walking away or having to put a pause on this thing that you're truly passionate about. So do you remember what uh, the Thinking process was before you finally decided to continue uh, practicing.
2: Yeah, I um <laughs> the amount of times that I've tried to quit over the last like two years. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're like Al Pacino in Godfather Three.
2: <laughs> I know, I just keep making the comeback tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it was it was devastating, really. I um mm-hmm. I mean when it when when COVID kind of first. Became a, a problem or, a, you know, apparent. I just, it, it was incredible. I don't think I've ever felt so anxious at work. It was worse at the beginning for me because we didn't really, we didn't have vaccines. We didn't really, we didn't even know what the treatments were for the first month or two. We just right. didn't really, we didn't, we, we were like flying blind. Um,
0: as blind as a bat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But we just didn't. Yeah, so it was very anxiety-provoking because we weren't quite sure how virulent everything was. We weren't sure if we'd be putting family and friends and housemates and stuff virulent in danger thing. if we went home. Like um, how, I guess how, we weren't sure how easily other people would be able to be infected and we weren't sure ah, how right. badly people would be infected and things like that. Mm. Um, so we weren't able, like we weren't able to gauge how to, like I had friends who were, In medicine and nursing who moved out of the home with their small children because we didn't know how badly it would affect children for those first you know that first month or two and we didn't know how badly it would affect anyone in general so they were you know living in their bungalow at the bottom of the garden or like they'd sent their kids to live with their parents and you know they were separated from their families because they were really worried that they would make their family sick um so that was that was kind of at the beginning of it all but I guess as we've as we've, you know, got access to PPE and, you know, we know a little bit more about treating it. We know how to, we know how to, um, and we've got a vaccine, which is great. And we've got a, um, treatment, We know, we've got a lot of different treatment protocols for people who do get sick. Um, and everyone's a little bit more familiar with it and, you know, things change all the time. Like I've never been so overloaded with updating, with updated information every week about a particular topic. Can I just
0: take a moment to say that I found it like, you were such a helpful resource for me during that time because there's obviously so much information going back and forth and it was very yeah. confusing. Wear masks, don't buy masks, you know. Do mm. this, don't do that. And, and I think one of the things that I found comfort in talking to you is you telling me like you're at the forefront and you're looking at this daily and you're still not sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so that the fact yeah. that I don't know the answers is okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think that was the biggest thing that caused anxiety to well, p- people who are medical and non-medical. It's that uncertainty. Mm. It's just led having to sit with that uncertainty when you don't have the answers, and I think that's And, the
1: and also, I think I think I think I agree with you, deal So, for I've got a WhatsApp group where we've got two two doctors, uh, and we've got about four nurses. And so, in that WhatsApp group, with it's all families and friends, we, there's continued questions. But for the average person who doesn't have access to that, friend is unfortunately this became so political. So COVID, so even then when you asked a stupid question or you asked about information, then for a lot of people who, be it, they're ill-informed, just wouldn't trust it because COVID became so political. And that's why it's so frustrating when you see people with like these ideologies or these different approaches where you're like, oh, no, I wish you had... My friend, Dan, and you could ask him direct questions because he'll yeah. make you feel better. He'll make you feel easier. And I just, yeah, that's why I always get, get a bit sad when it's like everyone should have a doctor friend and everyone should have access to them. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean,
2: I think it's um, it's, it's really scary for everybody as well. I mean, you know, even this, this last couple of weeks has been...
1: Well, you know, we're, we're, we're bunkered down at the moment. Like my kids got their first shot and now I've cancelled all my gigs for the next two weeks so we've got that buffer so the vaccine kicks in but it's not that I think that my kids will get sick it's more or less I just want my son to go to his first day of school that's that's the biggest timing like for me in the end it's actually more about their mental health rather than their actual physical component
2: yeah well there's a huge amount of um you know there's a huge amount of missed schooling in p in pediatric in in children that's happened over the last couple of years which is going to be affecting people so even if even if all you get out of it is that you're only sick for a day or two, rather than two weeks, for you yeah. know, a six-year-old, that that's massive.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, it's. It, I, I just find it so fascinating because then people, it's not until future down that we'll realise the genuine effects that'll you know happen yeah. on our kids. Like I, you know, like I, you know, I, you know, I gave a big present to when my son graduated kindergarten because I gave my kindergarten teacher an, an amazing present, and I got very emotional because she's the reason why my son is mentally okay
2: she's yeah. the reason
1: that she kept every like she kept everything normal for him he was able to still go unlike my daughter who had to do all this homeschooling he could still go yeah. and i just always find that anyone in that care education or health like i feel like in 5 years time we'll be even saying bigger thank yous than we are doing now
2: yeah it's um everyone's just i think everyone's just trying to do their best and it's pretty They're just pretty unprecedented circumstances like we don't really <laughs> I don't really know how to yeah. approach a lot of them.
0: How did you push through in those tougher times? So when is it, say, for example, when you're in the hospital and there's just no other option but you, I suppose something must take over in terms of adrenaline or whatever it is, and you're uh-huh. like, I just have do to do it or whatever. Or- <laughs> um <laughs> so what what about like those moments where you do have time to sit and think about how do i push forward because i know i've had moments where i'm i'm flat at some whatever reason i just can't find motivation to do anything and what i've found beneficial is like focusing on step by step going okay what do i just what's the minimum i need to do right now okay i need to put my feet on the ground like that is there anything like that that you found helpful to get you through those times
2: yeah i think it's a few things so the first Like, if someone, if there's urgency and someone is really unwell for whatever reason, you just, like, it's just a switch that's flicked. Like Your focus is on them. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you might get the call. You might have already been asleep for 15 minutes and that's the first time you've slept in 40 hours. And then someone, you get that phone call and they need you. Mm. And, like, I mean, there's times, like, God, the nurses saved me so many times. Like, I just had had the most amazing team of nurses. Um, But... Like there were times where they would just call me and tell me they needed me to come in, and I would just burst into tears on the phone and just be like, "Okay, I'll be there in three minutes." You know, like I would just be like, "Are you serious?" Like I remember asking, I've just got this memory of saying, "Is his hand actually falling off, or is it still attached? And do I need to come in now?" Oh my god! So, yeah. I was like, "How bad is this cut?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Bad yeah. enough that I had to go in, but
1: <laughs> yeah, wow. And then, you, and then, but then you have to make the decision: do we attempt to save the hand, or do we get rid of it?
2: Well, sometimes you don't have the choice because that that choice is going to be about how quickly a retrieval plane can get to you, and how... yeah. yeah, But 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 I
1: but that's the decision making I just cannot comprehend.
2: Well, and I mean, those kind of decisions, it's not really ones that I would make. You just kind of follow. The best practice that you possibly can. And um, like, because, you know, you're not necessarily, you're just with big injuries in remote places, you're just trying to get them stable until you can get them out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a the thing is, somewhere else.
0: To try and maybe clarify, maybe something Ben's thinking about, is it something like where you go, given the evidence I have right now? this is the only course of action or this is the best course of action as all the evidence, maybe down the track, something might say, oh, I should have done this and that and you can retrospectively decide. And is that sort of fair to say? That's how you go. You go given the knowledge and the expertise we have. And does that way of thinking kind of help your decision making then in real life as well? Um, Or does it make your real life decision making that much more quote unquote, trivial, because you're like, fuck, I, you know, decided to keep someone's hand or cut it off or whatever, you know, choosing what I'm going to have for dinner is hardly an issue.
2: (laughs) Yeah, look, I like good routine in my normal life. So I can just be on autopilot and don't have to make decisions. (laughs) Um, But I think um, there, it is very much what you've said. So you just kind of, you do the best that you can. You follow the best, you know, with the information you've got, you follow the best course of action and you know you can always talk to your colleagues like you never really like you're only on your own so much as if you don't ask for help or you right. don't have call so you've always got people to call there's always other people other doctors at other hospitals and other services and and stuff like that so you, you can so the always- theme
0: song of scrubs was accurate i can't do this all yes, on right. my own that's,
2: that's, yeah. <laughs> i'm no superman exactly, <laughs> there's absolutely no way you can do it on your own right okay um,
0: so what about uh, the impact it had on you in terms of um, your well-being, like not just mentally but even physically, <laughs> and your the, the impact of being there for those five months on your routine? Like you said, you have a routine life, yeah. which obviously got turned upside down.
2: Yeah. It so was what the th- worst. Um, okay, so Dil, you and I have spoken about this. <laughs> mm. but I, uh, I put on so much weight. Like over the last two years, I reckon I put on 20 kilos. Right. It was... I wasn't even familiar with my own body anymore, um, which also it, didn't have, like, it. And,
0: that, and you're it, not someone who necessarily, like me and Ben, had like, issues with putting on weight as a younger kid. No. And was like, no. So this was well, new to you?
2: Yeah, I was like a normal. I was 20 kilos. I was, I was probably 15 kilos heavier than I've ever been in my life before mm. ever.
0: Yeah. Um, How old are you, by the way, if you don't mind answering? Answering
2: that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, Yeah, no, yeah, no, no that's good.
2: I like that. I like yeah. that. You're not, you're yeah. not, you're not, you're
1: not answering but, that. But uh, do, but, do, yeah, we, so do, we, do we do we do we do what we did last time, deal? Play the guessing game that like we do with our other guests Oh yeah, Doug Chapel. <laughs> yeah, is it between twenty five to thirty to between? What was your to favorite 40? kids show? <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: my who god! It was Louis. Who was your high
0: school, uh, celebrity crush?
2: <laughs> it was, you know what? My high school celebrity crush is the same as my primary school celebrity crush, which was the animated Batman. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Conroy. That version. No, 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 no. that actual just the animation. That's
0: oh yeah, yeah that obviously the voice was Kevin Conroy. So I was like,
1: do <laughs> well, you know the voice to the animation? Yeah, back, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill was the Joker.
1: Come on, man. Yeah. Everybody
0: Sorry, knows. I that.
1: love Mark Hamill. No, 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 not everyone knows that <laughs> Nobody knows that.
0: <laughs> but it's Batman. You got to know everything about Batman. No, I to be fair, I, I my current celebrity crush is the animated Batman <laughs> yeah, because well, that jawline. That fucking jawline. Whoa, you know he's packing a massive sh- uh schlong with that Joel. Whoa, whoa. You know whoa I, mean? wait, I, a, I like
2: the brooding tortured genius side of it, not the uh, the Bruce Wayne. Oh not the packing in his spandex. In the
0: in the utility belt. <laughs> <laughs> a massive cock ring No. Uh I yeah. So um okay so we're not talking about age, but in terms of okay so you get, got to the weight that you've never been before and and here's something that I know a lot of listeners can li- relate to and I know personally I can relate to, which is it creeps up on you before you know it. Yeah. And, and it's so, it's a bizarre thing to explain to someone who's never had to deal with putting on weight or yo-yoing, which yeah. is like how slowly it starts to be noticeable, yeah. but how much harder it is to get rid of it. Like, oh, so.
2: <laughs> totally. So I was, um, I was feeling like, I, I mean, the lucky thing was is I kept exercising the whole way through everything. So I was doing a lot of exercise, nearly every day like I was walking and I, I've got a, I do a running program and I was rehabbing from a hamstring injury that I've been carrying for about 12 months and that was quite a lot of rehab so I was always trying to be active but like just all the things that happen when your sleep gets disrupted and your circadian rhythm gets thrown out you get like a hormonal kind of axis gets all thrown off it's really difficult to eat like there was not even potable water in the hospital a lot of the time so because it was out at the bores and you couldn't drink some of the water so unless constantly dehydrated I um I got my one of my colleagues to do my cholesterol and my just a basic set of blood tests at one point and my cholesterol was through the roof like I've never had a problem with that before like I'm young (laughs) <laughs> i, was expecting
1: I mean you only, only just ten thirty, so yeah 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 I'm all
2: right <laughs> um and, so and that is
0: quite an interesting thing which is like you know when you think of doctors we assume you guys have your health in complete good nick because you have all the information it's like yeah. going to a personal trainer that's overweight or obese yeah. you're like why am i listening to you if you don't know yeah, how to apply right but it's um, like
1: oh you know, it, can i ask you a quick, yeah. question when you're a young doctor I just had a friend of mine who was a doctor who always got hit up by guys and they just assumed that doctors were really good in bed because they studied the body. Did you ever cop that?
2: No, I just must, I don't think anyone was that interested in
1: that. No, no, it's just my friend of mine just got hit up all the time. She's actually coming up on this podcast. So I'm going to bring um, it up with her up there as well. But, oh my God, uh, but so,
0: just I mean,
2: maybe the, she got hit on because she was good looking, not because she knew how to work. No, it heart. was
1: specified, doctor. Do
2: you know like, what? I, think was, I actually that specific approach. I probably received a lot more. Um I've actually got a physiotherapy degree as well as a medical degree, so I feel like with uh, physiotherapy degree, is probably people. People are more like oh, massage. You
1: know? Yeah.
0: Right, okay. Totally. You've got a touch. Right, right, right. It's All right. It's someone's it's in. saying, I'm over 40. Can you get my prostate checked while you're there? Can you yeah, find yeah. my G-spot, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's less. Serious. Um. So, sorry. So, yes, yeah, so so you had your doctor, uh, your friend check you out, and you turns out your cholesterol was bad yeah, and everything. Was, so
2: and that, that's what I was thinking. I was just like, because oh, I'm actually quite a healthy person. I don't really drink. I, I'm actually, like, pretty careful with my food. I eat really well. I, I don't eat like very much processed foods, I exercise nearly every day. And just because of how much stress I was under and how bad my sleeping habits were because of work, I was becoming really unhealthy. And that, I think that's the thing that angers me the most about anything I see on social media about when people are like, oh, COVID's only going to affect people who are already not healthy. And I'm like, do you know who's not fucking healthy right now? All the fucking people looking after everyone else. Like, you know, it's been Mm. like I was the only thing I was concentrating. So, I mean, mentally I was just songwriting when I got home and that was my, that was my escape. But the only other thing I did apart from work and come home and write music was exercise and try and look after myself. And I still got to the unhealthiest I've ever been in my life despite everything I was doing. And I mean, so it's just the last couple of months. Like after my friend did those blood tests, I still had another couple of months out there that I was stuck there, but I, I started getting really strict. And it was at a, at a huge cost because I was felt like I was just mentally a lot thinner, like I had nothing left to cope with. But I just was like I have to start looking after my physical health as well and make, like, be like Can you striker. clarify
0: what you meant by at a huge cost?
2: Well, the cost was that I just like I think it's I don't know if it's the same for you everyone else. But for me, when I make huge lifestyle changes for, um, like physical health reasons and become extra strict with the routines and kind of like my, my exercise routine, I started running even more. My walking, I made sure I did 10,000 steps a day instead of just incidental walking. Like I, I increased the amount of time I had to put into exercise. In terms of my eating habits, like it's quite hard for me to change my eating habits. Like I'd been eating more sugar than normal and I cut it out completely, which was a huge thing for me. And that was quite mentally draining because I was I was relying on the sugar as right. energy for work. I right. was relying on sugar to wake me up when I got up and to keep me awake during the day i um, like I was really quite addicted to it because I felt like I needed it and to try and make that change to just not having that in my life while I was working 16 hour days or whatever it was 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 you know it cost me more <laughs>
0: Yeah. 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 Now I understand more. So, uh, so that cost that you're referring to is about the impact it had on your, you know, quote unquote happiness because the sugar and which not only give you that, you know, that, that joy, but also the actual energy that it provided as well. So did you had to replace it? Did you had to find alternatives that were less sort of calorie intensive for that?
2: Uh, no, I, um, so what I did, I just cut it out completely and I didn't really substitute it with anything. Mm. I, um, I think the way I look at it is that once your body no longer is like, if you can quit sugar, because I think sugar is actually a terrible, terrible added sugar is terrible. I'm not talking about fruit. I think fruit is great. Um, I don't think people should ever quit fruit Mm -hmm. um, on a diet, but um, added sugar and foods that had sugar in them. I just cut them out completely. And I think once you're off that, your taste buds kind of all realign and your neuro, I guess your, your neurochemical responses to your food, resets a little bit you don't get those dopamine hits from the sugar so you don't become so hungry all the time you don't right. kind of your sugar your blood sugar isn't kind of jumping well, I, over the plane
1: i feel like i'm experiencing that at the moment jade so i'm uh, day f- five of just really pretty yeah. much next to no sugar what's and- next
0: to ben what does extra uh, no sugar mean? When do you get it?
1: So it's just it's just a very strict uh, sort of sugar. you know yeah. So it just pretty much stop sugar and just uh, and just pretty much just eating whole foods and just seeing how that reacts. But I noticed today that I was like, oh, I'm feeling lethargic, and then I just realized, no, you're just you're just actually feeling probably normal. Crazy, but I just realized that the ebbs and flows of sugars. I've just realized that I'm actually sort of more cruising rather than riding the highs yeah. and lows.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's- crazy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's really, it's really weird. Like, I, I, it's not that I don't crave it. Like, I would love to go get a, a a cronut right now. I think about cronuts all the time. They're the most amazing things in the world. But I just try to. Re, I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to reprogram myself and go, how good's this feeling? The no sugar, yeah. like, how good is it? And then try and realize that, hey, if I keep doing that, then I can keep feeling like this. But it's it's yeah. tricky. It's I, tricky. Well, I figure
2: it took me maybe three weeks to not feel like I needed it anymore. And then I, I spent a couple of weeks feeling sad that I didn't actually want it anymore, and now I just don't. Now everything else tastes better anyway. Um, I actually had my first sugar that I've had in a really long time. I had it earlier this week when I was filming this music video, and um, I had this little cookie that was shaped like a shark that I bought from um, from a bakery, and because like the theme of Are you
1: music- sure you're not in Byron? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, the theme of the music video was a uh, was like the beach, yeah, and right. um, so I had this. This little shark cookie, and it was like I was just messing around with it on camera. And and then, right at the last shot, I like took a big bite out of it and I like froze. And I was just like, This is so fucking good. This is the best thing I've ever fucking eaten in my life. And I normally wouldn't even eat this. And like, my whole face was like covered in this blue food dye from the icing. And I just like, I was like, we have to stop filming because I have to really relish this fucking cookie.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> so it came back like a like a almost like a junkie almost. Yeah, yeah well, especially
2: was, all the
1: blue around your it face looks like you are sniffing paint.
2: It's the best thing I've ever had, and it's not even my normally like that wouldn't even normally be my suite of choice. But I just um yeah I. I was like, wow, but I didn't feel like I needed it again after that. I was just like, this is the greatest fucking thing. No wonder everyone's addicted to sugar. Oh, so, good. <laughs> yeah. so good. So yeah. for you,
0: so so the changes that were most effective for you, um, and 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 obviously, like you said, it, came, it was a stressful time because as it is, mm-hmm. you you know you're under the pump from from work. Uh, actually, let me rewind a bit more. So, do you feel like, given that you were always active uh, and as well as eating mostly well? The things that made you put on weight, would you sum it up as being sugar, lack of sleep, and stress?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. I've always yeah. heard that stress and, and, and sleep is so important to weight loss or, well, you know, yeah. uh, uh, fat retention. And now there's like this clear, because you're always someone who did maintain, you know, a certain body shape for a long yeah. time.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, over, since quitting sugar, it's actually really, that's not the only thing that I've done. So I quit sugar in probably October. And, um, and this year was actually even harder because in March I quit coffee. And that- oh, oh my God. Why you do that? What oh. are you talking about? How do you?
1: That's crazy. Oh. What's
2: oh. <laughs> the weirdest thing with quitting coffee is that for the first three or four weeks, I genuinely was like, is this what normal feels like? Does everyone walk around feeling this tired? Maybe I've got chronic fatigue. Maybe there's something wrong with me. I should get my iron levels checked. What's going on? And then after four weeks, I was like, I feel great again. But it was like a long process. How much coffee were you yeah. drinking before? Like two cups a day.
0: Two cups and you still felt like that. See, I was hoping that I'm I'm up to about two to three a day and I was hoping that if I start cutting back, I can stop at one. uh, What are you up to then? How many coffees?
1: I'm four. Okay, so now I'm just... I'm just aware that my children are about to enter the room, so, uh, well, just a, so we,
0: yeah, yeah we'll, we'll then might jump in at some point um yeah, yeah. <laughs> so jade, uh we're we'll get closer to start wrapping up, I suppose, but yeah. then I, I I guess so, so the things that then helped you get back to your baseline weight yeah. Yeah. Uh, was was cutting out sugar uh, <laughs> and why did you choose to cut out coffee just for your like
2: yeah, it was just you- making me a little um I was actually quite after the pandemic, I found that my baseline. And was I was just a little bit more prone to being anxious about things. Mm-hmm. I was getting chest pain, so I cut out coffee, and it stopped.
0: Oh um, wow, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then, what about physical activity? Running is your go-to, and you did more of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I did. So I was trying to be quite consistent. I'm quite prone to injury because I'm very. I've got quite very. I've got very flexible joints, so I get um, a lot of impact onto the bones and stuff. I've had to get stress fractures pretty easily, so I've got to be quite careful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I like I've been learning to love running, which is good. So this year, and it's been um, it's been something that's really helped me. Um, so I've been running kind of five times a week, and um,
0: and how much do you run? And oh, oh.
2: Uh, I, I'm at, at the moment, I'm quite a slow increaser. So what I've, what I've increased to at the moment, and what I'm currently going to stay at for a little while, I is I do no, a
1: I three kilometer,
2: a four kilometer, a three it. kilometer, a six kilometer, and a four yeah. kilometer
0: right okay, okay so you're yeah a six kilometer long run and and so what made you get into running of all the other yeah, is it just because where that. you were in,
2: in yeah in... it was the only thing available to me really like, yeah it was the only thing that I could do at any yeah, time it, 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 and it was it, it, the only thing that I was just like it, you know it, you it. put your shoes on you don't feel like doing it you're like I'll just put my shoes on and walk for a little bit and you're like maybe I'll just run a little bit and then you're like oh I've done my run uh, it was just accessible for me
0: so, um, sorry go
2: Oh, I was going to say, but out of all the things that we've talked about that actually the biggest thing that I think made a difference to, because I've lost nearly 12 kilos over the last three months. So I'm almost yeah. back to like, back to, I'm almost back to my old weight again. Yeah. Um, and I feel great again. Um, probably the biggest thing actually wasn't really quitting the sugar. Um, it, I actually think it was that I started intermittent fasting. Oh, okay. Time. Yeah. Right. So I, I fast, I only eat between the hours of 4pm and like 8 p.m. So but four eat-
0: hour window. Okay.
2: four hour window. Yeah. And That's I, insane. I, yeah, I eat like a full three meals in that yeah. period of time. Um, and
0: what's your three meals in the four hour window? Cause okay. I don't feel so- if I do, I do like six to eight hour, uh, eating window, uh, depending on what schedule I'm on, but yeah. I feel like I can only squeeze in two proper meals. Cause the third one would make me feel myself, full. I
2: mean, yeah. yeah I, I think, um, it depends on the day, like. You've got to work on it and i think that's why i like it like i love the fact that i'm kind of like i'm doing all the things that i'm supposed to be doing that's actually helping me lose weight but i'm also allowed to like absolutely stuff myself with three meals <laughs> like a four oh. hour to go every day okay it's so the feasting part that i really love
0: yeah minka has just joined us uh, ben's daughter the first appearance on the podcast but anyway yeah sorry go on so
2: yeah so i really um i love that feasting element of it like it's really it f- fills me with like the joy of hedonism <laughs> oh really so do you yeah. not then
1: have isn't any- that isn't that like healthy binging
2: yeah i feel like it's like i'm eating when i'm allowed to
0: eat so and and so other than the sugar there's no restriction on what you're eating
2: yeah as yeah. long as it's
0: between four to eight o'clock
2: yeah i mean i try not. i don't really I, apart from the fact that my diet tends to be pretty good anyway i try not to eat too many refined
0: yeah yeah so maybe that's the difference i think is like again as we know as we've learned from this podcast there's never really a one size fits all model for anything it's just yeah. about figuring out what works for you yeah. and and that's kind of what like i you know has worked for you is that this yeah. is giving yourself that window with no sugar because i guess what i want to finish up on though is that it's the mental headspace that, that kicks in when you sort of uh, let go, because I'm definitely carrying a lot more weight than I was, say, this time last year. Mm-hmm. And what I'm struggling with is, A, clothes not fitting. Like, let's start with that. The clothes are tighter and the things that I'm, you know, was comfortable wearing yeah. this time last year. B, my movement. Like, I know I'm running, you know, not as fast as I was at the start of yeah. last year. And, and I just feel unhealthier, right? But on top of that, it's just that, because I've had issues with weight uh in the past, that this feeling of like, oh, okay, I've dropped I put on some weight is met with like like failure or worthlessness and mm-hmm. and and finding ways to push through that to try and get some wins back has been a struggle. So what did you find for you when you sort of hit that point? Did you remember having like a, a switch go off on you in you or anything like that? Did you have something that you used as a target to aim? Did you find that it was goal-oriented?
2: Well, I, I've actually been very... <laughs> it's, it's quite difficult because I've, I've had pro- I have problems with... I've always always had a very uncomfortable relationship with food and eating and weight. Um, okay. As like a teenager and in my 20s. Right. Um, just like my early 20s. Just because there was just so much pressure to be really skinny and I modelled for a little while and that was really... Um, that was... There's a lot of pressure to be really skinny right and to, you
0: know quite common like, when we hear every time we've had someone who's done modeling uh, yeah. on the podcast have said similar things yeah. yeah. it was tough when i was doing it
1: yeah <laughs> and
2: um like you want to be yeah like so i had that kind of uneasy relationship with i i know i've got to be very mindful to not let on but i'm I guess unhelpful thoughts come in when i'm thinking about my weight and it's really Mm -hmm. hard to be positive about it so the way that i dealt with it this time was it really was I, i only allowed myself to do it if it was only about my health and not about my weight or what i look like right and with my um if i ever felt myself thinking anything else about my weight i was like no don't you can eat whatever you want today do whatever you want today
1: um i'm saving people yeah
2: it was i mean i didn't actually really have any cheat days this is why i feel like it's been quite good because i feel like i really have had a lifestyle change because i haven't actually had apart from the cookie shark the other day that's been my only cheat day this whole year <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: yeah. um and
1: how often do you think about that cookie
2: <laughs> oh mate i haven't stopped <laughs> i'm just like salivating at it already and i'm just like next <laughs> time i get to fill it up i'm gonna to go to back that bakery and get one of those fucking cookies um <laughs>
1: It's like people who remember their last cigarette. They just like they just like even if they've quit for like five years, they can go. I, just I can remember still last taste cigarette. it.
2: I can yeah, taste oh. that blue icing. <laughs>
1: yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um.
2: But yeah, it was um. So it's it's been very much like I've been thinking a lot about input goals rather than output goals this year. So thinking about what can I do rather than what do I want out of this. So we talked. I,
0: we talked about this yeah. last week actually in our podcast. I did, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've been thinking about like if I make these changes it doesn't matter what the outcome is because I know that these changes are healthy. And if I happen to lose X amount of weight, then great. But if I don't lose what I secretly wish I did in my head, that actually means that because what I'm doing is actually very controlled and healthy. Um, And I think from a medical point of view, I think is very reasonable and a Mm -hmm. good way to approach it. If I don't meet the goals then maybe the goals were unrealistic in the first place. So that's how I've been dealing with it from a body image perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel really good at the moment because I, and even though I'm bigger, still a little bigger than I probably was a couple of years ago prior to the pandemic, I feel like I'm really on the right track to just, I feel really good. And I actually even did some scenes in my music video in a bikini, which I would never have done, like, even when I was way skinnier than this, like, I I don't even care anymore.
0: Well, something that I always think about is about how we view ourselves today versus how we view, view ourselves in a 10 years time and going, yeah. what the fuck, why was I upset about this or yeah. whatever that and I'm like, oh, look at that. That's so much better than what it is today or something like that. And yeah. just trying to like, you know, bring forward that positive thinking from 10 years from yeah. now to bring it to today, you know?
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Though if I wear a bikini today, I will regret it 10 years on. Yeah. <laughs>
0: What's your cup size? I think- Quite fetching. <laughs> I think Ben, you, you'd, you I think you'd be quite good. Would you well, share? Oh,
1: sorry, I just got, I just had a panic attack because I didn't realise that you were directing that question to me. <laughs> yes, Ben, what did you do? <laughs> good lord, man! Oh my god! Panic attack over. yeah,
0: that's after. Yeah, she's not come we're, we're not going to ask you what your age is, but what is your cup size? Uh, listen. That is probably uh, good as any spot to try and wrap up, I think, <laughs> but... Um... Yeah. Jade, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and sharing your experiences, not only as a doctor, but the impact it had on your personal life and how you've managed to try and bring back some uh, some regularity to it. And uh, I know I'm very excited about seeing where your music career goes. So what is it that you can tell about uh, uh, the things that are coming up, the exciting projects that you uh, want? To I'm career?
2: actually super, super, super excited. But first of all, thank you guys for having me. It's been really great. Um, that was fun. Thank you. and yeah, it's been great to actually be on the podcast rather than listening to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, right. you've
0: listened to a few episodes.
2: I have, I have, um, and I will continue. Um, but yeah, so my, this is actually in a couple of weeks from now on the 3rd of February, actually it's my very first, um, I'm releasing my debut single as a solo artist actually. So I've released in bands and stuff before, but this is my very first solo, stuff so I've got a whole bunch of it ready to release this year and I'm super excited and this music video will hopefully be also ready at that point but it may not be um it's very last minute um in its conception (laughs) Um, yeah I'll be I'm releasing a song called golden hours and I really can't wait and um yeah if people want to have a listen my artist name is Jade Empress I don't even think it's up yet on Spotify but if you follow me on um Instagram I'm posting links and stuff to um Great. to the artist profile that may not be actually up there yet. And um, and
0: what's uh Instagram uh, for?
2: Uh it's Jade X Empress. So
0: Excellent. And william now, Yes. And uh <laughs> thank you for that. And Ben, you and I, uh Ben Lomas Comic on Instagram, Dilruk J on Instagram, or FitbitPod uh at Instagram. Uh thank you so much for all your love and support and your messages. Uh shout yes. out Particularly to one listener, uh, I only know you as Jin, uh, but uh, who told me about the, uh, who listened to last week's episode uh, about me struggling to get rats. And then told me about uh, it being available in Singapore and I was able to source some in Singapore, and it's been really helpful. So thank you to our listeners who have always looked out for us and got our back. Oh, no, and very, also really sweet. shout out to Sid and Somya, to uh, listeners that I ran into in the in the city. Who uh, it was always fun to meet people in the wild, and especially after the year we had. So thank you everybody for your especially love when us.
1: they're all masked up. You're like, hey, how are you going? You're like, oh god, who are you? Are <laughs> oh, you listen? Are oh, you listen?
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Patreon, uh, thank you for your continued support. Some exciting yes. new episodes to come soon. So we'll catch you there so. uh everyone else uh the tour as well uh, both of you and i ben we've got solo shows coming up around the comedy festivals yes. uh mine i guess my- go to durukj.com yeah. for all the details but the name of the
1: show is delicious delicious and mine is uh of course uh, ben lime has any questions so it's all about my time in hospital so, so yeah if- but but
0: quite a uh, sorry j this just hit me only now uh, Lomas, you are aware that the Working Dog production team who are part of Have You Been Paying Attention and Utopia and all that.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: They they had a film called Any Questions for Ben.
1: Yes, hence why I didn't call it Any Questions for Ben. <laughs> hence why I just called it Any Questions. <laughs> so I have trademarked that. Yeah. Um, so but I, I'm only doing 10 shows. So for Bedians, please, if you want to come on the weekends, they fly out really early. I mean, sure if you want to come through the week. But, um, yeah, I'm uh, at a smaller venue this year, so 10 shows only. Um, so, yeah, head to benlomas.com But please book early. I really want Fitbit listeners to ask the really hard questions or the more obscure questions where no one else can understand what's going on. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Awesome. Thank you, everybody, and thank you again, Jade. We really appreciate it. And thank you for all the work you do uh, uh, in the front line.
1: Thank Amazing. You. Thank you.
0: Thank you. How